You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has run. McKinley Wright Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are talking about this Utah game. Uh, so the Buffs play Friday at 2 o'clock. I, I typically don't like say the, the date and time this much, but it's very easy to miss a 2 o'clock game on a Friday. Um, they're doing it because it's after Thanksgiving. I'll be curious to see what the numbers are like. And actually, I, I don't know what it's being broadcast on. I'm guessing it's Pac-12 Network, except that Utah's relevant. Actually, I guess it's not Pac-12 Network. Um, just insane that these games are sometimes on Pac-12 Network, though. No, it is on Fox at 2 o'clock. Um, again, I'm not sure what viewership is like. I guess there's probably a lot of people who aren't working for, I mean, compared to most Fridays. Is it enough to make this worth it? Obviously, Fox thinks so, but... We'll see. We'll see. Um, this game, though. Utah. Favored by 23.5 points. It's tough to argue too much with that. Uh, if you just go on, like, like ESPN has all their numbers. They have, like, the matchup predictor. It says there's a 93.5% chance that Utah wins. 6.5% for Colorado. Um Team ranking says that it's going to be 37.6 to 30, 13.7 as the final score, just barely covering for Utah. Um, typically, people are taking Utah to cover in this game. Um, I mean, it's it's an interesting game. It's an interesting game. You know, Utah is a team that is very physical. I feel like you could copy and paste most Utah teams from one year to the next, and you'd basically have a good read. 
um, big and strong in the trenches. You know, they've had Devin Lloyd there for a few years now. He's going to be a potential first-round draft pick, honestly. Um, he's that modern type of linebacker, sideline to sideline, can do whatever you want him to do, can cover, can play the run, physical, all that stuff. And, hey, that's that's tough to... That's tough to go up against, um, and he's not alone. You know, I think I think you say it, Nephi Sewell, uh, Penny Sewell, and Noah Sewell's big brother, which is weird because Penny is now playing in the NFL, but he just left early, and so that's how that happens. Um, and he's the other linebacker. You just, you just look all across this roster, and just maybe maybe not so many standout players, but a lot of just. Really good football players. Um, Devin Lloyd, 91 tackles, 67 for Sewell. Just big and strong. Uh, Mika Tafua, he, he actually has eight and a half sacks this year. That's kind of crazy. But he's been one of the best defensive linemen in the Pac-12 for a couple of years now. Um, only a junior, but I guess that's probably because of COVID. Um, offensively, you know, Brant Keithy is actually their leading receiver, which is just kind of crazy. But he's he's a tight end. He This would be his senior season, but he's a junior because of everything. I haven't heard whether he's going to declare for the draft. I don't think so. I don't think he's done quite enough. But, you know, those tight ends are kind of the focal point of the offense, the focal point of the passing game. And it's it's going to be a big day for uh, the Buffs linebackers going up against them. And we'll get jump into some key players here in a second. Um Britton Covey still there at receiver. Uh the the running back duties, it's been a group, but it's been a lot of Tavion Thomas, particularly recently. He's getting over 20 carries per game pretty consistently. Big games against UCLA and Stanford. Um just big and strong and physical and causing some problems for defenses what was so he's at 143 carries 836 yards so that's 5.8 yards per carry with 17 touchdowns speaks for itself right and the other running backs have been pretty successful too um big story this season for utah they brought in the the transfer quarterback from baylor charlie brewer um somebody who i've been high on in the past he struggled three touchdowns three interceptions in the first few games transferred out and they replaced him. The next man up was Cameron Rising, a sophomore quarterback. Nothing special, but he avoids turnovers, and you can't really ask for much more than that when you have the success in the running game. So there's a quick rundown. Um, Utah, big, strong, physical. What's new? Uh, want to lean on the running game. They have some tight ends they want to get the ball to. They've got a little slot receiver um, in Britton Covey who – he can cause problems. And what does that mean for Colorado? I think that the big thing in this game is going to be these linebackers and how they can perform in coverage and stopping the run. You know, and that and that's really kind of the tough part about going up against this Utah team. You know, there's some weeks, like the UCLA game, you 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 spend all week saying well, they've, we've really got to lock in. We've really got to be able to handle the run. These are big physical running backs. They want to pound the rock consistently, and, and we've really got to be ready to stop the run. There's other games, like the, the USC type of game, where you say, okay, there's going to be a couple times where you got to stop the run, 
situationally, you know, if it's third and short, we better get up there and, and get our nose into things. But we got to focus on slowing down these slot receivers, slowing down all these crossing routes. And, and that's really got to be the focus this week. When you go up against this Utah team, it's really a challenge because obviously they can run the football. And that's always been true, and it's always going to be true. And you've got to really lock in if you're going to slow them down on the ground. When they throw the ball, they throw the ball to their tight ends, Brant Keithy. Uh, oh, uh, Fotheringham, I think is that one. Cade Fotheringham, maybe? Um, and they throw it to that slot receiver. And all these guys are working in the middle of the field. And so you talk about offenses that, you know, the, the West Coast offense, they want to stretch you horizontally. Um, the, uh, say like the air Coriel, um, which is the kind of, it's the basis of everything else. You know, that was Dan Fouts basically was the quarterback in that offense. And it's kind of trickled down through, you know, like Peyton Manning, for example, more downfield type of stuff. Um, but the, the point is for that sort of offense, you're stretching the defense downfield. So they've got to cover three levels. With what Utah can do, it's a pretty unique thing to have that much talent in your tight ends and slot receiver and be able to pound the ball like they do. And so a lot of what they do is kind of stretching you just in the middle of the field. Um, they, they try to get those linebackers to, to creep up and play the run game and, and overcommit so that they can catch them on play action just right over the top of their heads. Not necessarily for 30-yard gains, but you get the tight end to the sticks, throw a nice little touch pass, and he's going to be wide open right there if you get those linebackers committing. And so that's kind of the challenge is, you know, I think the in the perfect world, if, if you're looking for how does Colorado win this game, I think an early sign is going to be that run game. You know, if they're able to actually not just slow down Utah, but shut them down on the ground, then all of a sudden, this is pretty close to a fair fight. Um, now, I'm, the, the reason it's not a fair fight right now is because it's so hard to do that. Um, and so what, what you need to see is that, you know, basically this defensive line is clogging things up. They're getting penetration. They're getting into the backfield. They're, they're forcing negative runs to the point where even if the linebackers aren't necessarily trigger happy and, and jumping forward trying to play the run game whenever there's any sort of sign you're still holding them to you know a couple yards per carry a few yards per carry then that changes things because then Utah isn't so quick to call those runs and so the linebackers can continue to kind of maybe sit back just a little bit um you're you're able to play that passing game straight up instead of saying okay We've got to play this running game for the first half second of every snap. And then when we see that it isn't a run, that's when we can backpedal. That's when we can find guys and get to cover. As soon as you can get out of that mode, then this offense really isn't all that special. I think that you do... I think with this defense, you're always concerned about tight ends, regardless of how the rest of the, the team is built um, for the opposing offense. Um, and so that, that kind of stands out, you know, if you're getting in situations where you got Quinn Perry manned up on, uh, Brant Keithy, you're just going to lose that every time. But if you're able to structure this in such a way that, you know, you're, you're probably playing man coverage just because you're scared of the running game. You want to make sure that your, 
zone coverage essentially causes issues in the running game because you're lined up in your spots, not necessarily corresponding to where their offensive players. And so they're, they're wind up being pretty clear, strong points in the running game for the offense. And it's an easy t- shift before the play to say, hey, we're running right there where we have an extra p- tight end because there's a slot corner on the other side, on the open side of the field. So, you know, so you do expect man. And so what you want is to be able to go man, probably with Robert Barnes on Brant Keithy. Um, when they have a second tight end in, you know, I think that's kind of the big question is who who does, I think it's Cole Fotheringham, not Kate, now that I think of it. Um, but, but who is going to line up and, and cover, you know, whether it's him or whether it's Dalton Kincaid, um, they just have so many tight ends there, it's, and they're so useful. And hopefully, Colorado's only a couple years away from that with um, Fourier and with Eric Olson and some of those other guys. Alec Pell could be around for a while, but who is that guy? And I, I just don't know who that is, um, because I, I do. It's got to be a linebacker, right? Because you don't. You don't want to make uh, it be a safety because then all of a sudden you're lighter than Utah, and that's just a, a big concern. Let's let's say that Nate is back. And I think it's probably 50-50 that Nate plays in this game. If it winds up that you get Nate out there and you've got Quinn Perry out there, you've got Robert Barnes out there, well, then you probably put Nate on him and just say good luck. Or maybe you even go cover one, bring a safety down to cover him and just kind of load the box and hope that Britton Covey doesn't get behind you. And there's there's just so many problems. The big thing, though, is that if you're stopping this run, then it opens everything up. Because that's where you, if, if it's second and, or first, easily. Let's say it's third and eight. In that situation, you don't have to worry about the run. You If they're able to run for eight yards, you tip your cap and move along. So, that means regardless of who is out there offensively, you get to throw a safety on the field for one of these linebackers. Now, if you get to the point in the game where you're stopping the run so much that you say, oh, it's second and eight because whatever, we, we stopped the run on the first play. Well, let's take a little bit of a risk here. Let's make sure that we cover and, and basically dare them to run because we're beating them up there. And there's a chance that if Nate is back, he's able to be just kind of the guy who forces... Utah to feel that way, that they can't run, that they do need to throw, um, especially on second and eight. They don't want to get in a situation where they're just pounding the rock. And, I mean, they're not going to get away from that probably in the first drive or two, but if you're able to get some quick stops early, you're able to get them thinking, able to get them changing the way that they're approaching the game, basically meaning that they're passing the ball more than they're running the ball, then things really open up. And to be honest... I think that Utah is going to be able to run on this defense. You know, we saw what UCLA did. They they just gashed them right up the middle over and over and over and over and over and again. To to the Buffs' credit, you know, they did really keep them quiet in that first half before things kind of went to hell in the second half. But we saw what we saw there, and if UCLA is able to do that, then it's pretty easy to say we expect Utah to be able to do that same thing. Get Nate back, everything changes, though. Um, and it was a good defensive performance last week. It's also Washington, so I don't put too much stock into that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that's kind of the way that 
defensively, I see this going. Utah's going to run the ball until you stop them. And when you stop them, maybe even a little bit before that, they'll start working those tight ends in just to scare you a little bit, keep on your heels a little bit more. Um, But that's when you have a chance to really attack. Real quick, I'm going to jump in and remind you guys about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. We love Breckenridge Brewery. They are an incredible partner of ours. They give us so many incredible beers. And that's just one of the many reasons that that we love them. I mean, they support us, which is so helpful. They also support CU, which I know everybody listening to this should be interested in. And it's really good beer. It's a local company, and they do so much for us, and so we want to support them too. So if you guys drink any Breckenridge beers, tweet about it. Tag us. Tag me. Tell me what you got. Tell me what you think. Tag them. And just let them know how much we support them and how much we appreciate that they support us. Um... Also, I want to remind you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, it's a it's a good time to be making some money. Oh, let's see. DraftKings Pick of the Week. Let's do this now. Um, Colorado is a 23.5-point underdog as of right now. Give me the points and give me the buffs. It's the last game of the season. They're fired up. Let's, uh, let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can do. I'm all in. Uh, there you go. Also, though, you've got... Uh, some awesome promotions as always. This week, for example, you can put one dollar down on any team to score a point, and uh, if they do, you'll get a hundred dollars. It's a great deal. Um, there hasn't been a zero-zero tie in forever, and so definitely make sure that you take advantage of that option. And I mean, they always have so many other promotions too. That one's only for new users, but. They've got things like profit boost um, that, that they'll give out. Like you can use whenever they'll give out live profit boost. So whatever money you would make, you make 25% more, or 50% more, whatever the number is. You just want to get in with DraftKings because it's seriously the best stuff that you are going to find. Um, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet one dollar on any team to score. Win one hundred dollars in free bets if they score. You score with promo code DMVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be twenty-one or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Put the H in the wrong word there. Gambling problem? Call one 4700 you know, I it, it sucked seeing that defense last week struggle to get off the field on third downs. Um, it was really, really bad. They could not get a third down stop regardless of the distance, regardless of anything. Um, and that is obviously going to need to change when they're going up against this Utah team. But I like what they do on defense on third downs. I like the way they think about it. I like that they're willing to just line up in man and blitz and say, we're going to get to you before any of your receivers can get open against any of our corners. It burned them like three straight third downs to start that game, though. And, you know, I mean, if you're that defense, it has to get in your head, right? The fact that you're not stopping them in those situations. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens here. But But the point of all this is that I really like Colorado's third down defense. And I definitely don't like it as much after seeing what happened to it last week. But I do think that if they can get to those third downs, especially against this Utah team, they should be successful. They should be able to stop this passing attack when they know that they're throwing. Um, so, again, that's kind of what it comes down to for me. And and honestly, if I'm, if I'm Chris Wilson, 
I'm overloading the box to start the game. I think that you have to start by saying, we're not just going to let you run this ball on us and not kind of back into it. Because I think it's really easy to say, okay, we go out there in our base defense, we do what we do, and then we will kind of figure out what's working, what isn't, and we'll tweak things from there. But by the time you start saying, oh, so they are able to run it on us when we do this, or they are able to pass it on, whatever, you're already two drives into the game, and you've probably given up two scores, and there's less of a time for this defense to, to really change things around. I think that if you go out there and say, we're not going to let you run on us, we're going to overload the box, we might be lining up in like a 4-4 with three DBs on the field. We might just throw Mark Perry in the back and put Makai and Christian outside and say, we're going all defensive linemen and linebackers across the board other than that. And if they do that, I think that they do have a decent chance of slowing down the run. And then you force Utah to, to beat you with with the passing game. And they'd definitely be able to do that. Um, you start, you see that at the line, you see that 4-4, you throw it to, uh, you know, Keithy or Fotheringham or King Kate or whoever, um, Covey, and just say, yeah, we're, we're able to, to pick this apart. And if you're Colorado, I don't even overreact to that. If they pick up three 15-yard gains on that first drive because they're passing it to the tight end, it's... It's not what you want to see, but make them do it. Make them do it. And then they're still going to run the ball occasionally, even against that. You know, at least one in three plays on that first drive, and you're going to be able to just shut them down. And if you're able to just shut them down doing that, it just builds this momentum in the running game that I think you need. And maybe the next possession you back off a little bit if you really feel good about it. Um, You're quick to go back to it, but you just cannot let this team run on you. And... Force them to put the ball in the air. Force them to make risky plays. Because if you pass the ball, you're a lot more likely to turn it over than if you run the ball. And I think we all agree that after seeing the way Colorado squeaked by Washington, a three-point win against a bad team with four forced turnovers and no turnovers given up, it's pretty clear that Colorado needs to be winning the, the turnover battle in this game. How do you do that? At the, at the, to start, you make them put the ball in the air. You make them put the ball in the air. And you just can't get demoralized. You know, if, if they're driving on you, if they are beating you up, I, I think that more likely than not, this game is going to come down to the red zone. Actually, I can't say that. It's going to come down to the red zone if Colorado's offense can get to the red zone. But we'll get to the offense in a second. Um, defensively, the difference between giving up three points and seven points is huge. And that's why you can't let them get behind you. And I know that sounds kind of contradictory to throw in eight guys in the front seven, but you got to stay behind them on the outsides too. And it's going to create some space. You just got to get down to the red zone so that you can't get beat over the top so that you know that they're running so you can really pack it in. And it, it your limitations in coverage uh, can be masked very easily when the field is shortened when you don't have to worry about what happens 30 yards downfield, 20 yards downfield, 10 yards downfield. It means that everybody, you know, your back line can take whatever two steps up, 10 steps up, whatever, depending on the situation. But if they're able to do that, it means the people in front of them can take a step up. Everybody can't just packs everything in. 
And if you're winning the battle in the running game, when they get to the red zone, I think that's where you can force the turnovers. Um, so that, that'd be my strategy defensively. And if they pick you apart with the passing game, you say, hey, you picked us apart with the passing game, tip your hat. And if, you're, if things are working, you do go a little bit lighter and say, okay, now, now maybe you guys are behind. You have to throw the ball. Or you really don't trust this running game. Or Nate is stopping everything himself. Or these defensive linemen are hot. They're getting into the backfield. Whatever. You say, we, we can go maybe with a nickel package and still feel decent about this ability to stop the run and force him to throw the ball into a, a good secondary. Um, so there's my philosophy on this one defensively. In terms of offense it's going to be a test. And you know, and the truth is, Colorado probably shouldn't be able to put up many points on this defense. Based on what we've seen from these two teams um, over the course of the season, within the last couple of weeks, I think that that's probably the, the easy assumption is that Colorado will not be able to score many points on this defense. And that puts you in a tough spot. And I don't know if that means you, you try taking some deep shots early, Say, let's see if we can just open things up right off the bat. You know, if you say we're going to get 14 points in this game, let's go get 14 points in this first half and see, because that's two big plays, right? And then maybe we can build on top of that. Um, Or you could say, just don't turn the ball over. Don't put this defense in bad situations because of your mistakes. We saw what the defense was able to do last week, essentially go win that game all by themselves by forcing turnovers and even scoring points. I I think that what it comes down to is a balance. I can tell you first play I'm taking a shot because why not? I'm I'm going play action. I'm going to make it I might throw like a a fullback in motion. I might put Brady Russell in the backfield, have a motion like out of the pistol right side to the left side with Jarek behind the quarterback just to make it look like you're running one way just to make it look like you're going to this left side. Everybody's keyed in. You got the it's just distracting. It catches your eye. Um you you fake that handoff, you roll out, you got Brady coming across underneath. You've got uh what do we do? I'm I'm throwing a tight end on the field for that one too. I got Pell out there. He's just blocking. Um and then you've got big got Daniel Arias on the side you're rolling out to just running down the sideline and then you've got Bren, Brendan Rice isn't playing, is he? You've got uh, oh, Dimitri Stanley coming across on a little crossing route um, behind Brady, just trying to find some space. And if you can take that deep shot, give Daniel Arias a chance, you absolutely do it. If not, see if you can hit one of those other guys, and if not, use your legs. But I think that you just try to start with a spark. Give yourself something to really build off of. Um, if it doesn't work, you start pounding the rock. <laughs> I think I think for me this is a big game for play action. It's a big game for Jarek Broussard. You know, it's the last game of the season. Why not give that man 40 touches? The answer is because you might be picking up one and a half yards per carry because this defense is too good or you're down in the game. Or who knows, maybe the passing game is hot and you don't want to take the ball out of Brendan's hands. Two of those sound more likely than the other, but, uh, you know, that's that's the approach I have coming into it. This is... Pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock, and then see if you can get one of these guys open deep. Without Levante and without Brendan, though, I mean, your deep threat is really just Daniel Arias. I don't think you're lobbing up deep balls for, you know, Chase Penry, Montana Lamonius Craig, Ty Robinson. Um, I just just doesn't seem like 
they're that type of receiver. But and I say seem like because we haven't seen it. Um, you look at them and say, I mean, they, they don't really project as that sort of player. But the truth is, we haven't seen a ball get lobbed up to him, and so who knows? Um, but this is either you're going deep or you're throwing it underneath. And I think most of my passes are coming off the play action. Reading it top to bottom. See if you can get cheap points. See if you can scare them. At least try to get that defense on its heels. Um, and, you know, if you can't hit them deep down the sideline, deep down the middle is nice too. And we talked about this when we are talking about Colorado's defense, but when they're hitting Keithy for 12-yard gains right behind those linebackers because the linebackers know that they have to play the run heavy, it's going to hurt. And the way this Utah offense works is they just grind their way down the field, and it's just going to build and build and build and be so, so frustrating. But, I mean, when you're trying to run the ball, that's a good thing for your offense to try to do too if you're Colorado. See if you can get Brady Russell in that little gap behind him. Big day for Dimitri Stanley, hopefully. Um, So, I don't know. I guess that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking at. In terms of most important players for this game, Nate Landman. And I think just like, is Nate Landman playing or not playing? That's got to be the biggest question, right? Especially going up against a team like this. If Nate plays, it changes everything. Nate doesn't play. uh, Put me down for Utah minus 23 and a half. Um, who else? I mean, uh, if Nate doesn't play, then the replacements get big. You know, I think for Quinn Perry, this is a very big game. He's had uh, a nice season, a really nice season. We've seen a lot of growth from him over the course of the season. And I don't think we're at the point where we're saying he's the next Nate Landman, but we do say he's a starting linebacker. He is your starting middle linebacker and you don't have to worry about it. He's going to be just fine right there. He can hold his own at the very least. And who knows what he can? he's capable of. But this is a big game, right? Because you're going up against Utah, technically your rival. They play that style of football. You want to make an impression right here if you're Quinn Perry. So I'm going to say it's a big game for him as well. Um, Carson Wells, I mean, we know he's going to the draft. They're not going to throw the ball a lot, but... If they're throwing off play action, that's another split second for Carson to get back there. He's good at reading that kind of stuff. And so I, I, you could call it like there's a scale of how much play action is going to affect a defender. You know, somebody who doesn't have much experience, they might see the, the fake run and say, oh, I got to go get that guy. I got to go get the running back, whatever. Carson Wells at this point, he's going to read that as quick as anybody but Nate on this defense getting some sacks, getting stops on the run game more than anything, huge. Big game for the defense in general. Um, Offensively, I mean, Jarek is where you look, right? Can he just carry this team to a win? Because he hasn't really had a game like that this season. Where it's like Jarek Broussard won Colorado that game. He had a few of them last year. This would be a nice way to cap things off. Um, Brendan Lewis, always a big game. You know, you're down some of your best receivers, but I think it's probably a bigger game for the replacement receivers. You know, if you're Montana Lamonius Craig, who I think is going to get this start, this is an opportunity. If you go out there and you put up numbers, you come back with five catches for 75 yards in your starting debut. That's, that's some good stuff. And that's going to get the, uh, that's going to get the coach's attention. There's a lot of receivers here. And I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast, but 
I mean, you you could go ten deep, even with Levante gone and receivers for next year, and with the tenth being Keith Miller, who's talented but hasn't seen the field yet. Um, everybody else has experience playing at this point, whether it's Penry, Robinson, Jalen Jackson, Mo Bell, so many guys. And so uh, establishing this pecking order for next year, I mean, it's already begun. It's been all season. But I do think Montana Lamonius Craig gets a start. I think that that's a huge opportunity for him. I think it's an opportunity for some of the other receivers who are going to get more time in this game as well. Um Brady Russell, I mean, trying to match Brant Keithy out there. I mean, I don't think he thinks about that stuff, but in a game where the other team's tight end will likely put up 50, 60 yards, you know, you've, you you want to beat him, right? Like, you pay a little bit of attention to that at the very least. On top of that, all the things he does in the running game as well. If Jerry Broussard is going to go off, piece of the reason why is going to be Brady Russell just blasting guys. Um, so... I think that's a pretty good group. I mean, defensively, you could point to anybody in that front seven and just say, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta cause some problems." And the back, back, whatever you want to call them, back seven. If you have four down linemen, then I mean, who can force a turnover? Who can get their hands on the ball and get it back? Who can force a short field? Um, that's that's going to be huge in this game. I think that's all I got for you guys. I will see you. When will, oh, post-game show. Post-game show tomorrow after the game. We'll be live from the DMVR bar. We'll be watching the game there, too. If you're looking for somewhere to, to watch, come hang out. You have the Friday off. It's a great place to come hang. Uh, so hopefully we'll see you there. Um, that's going to do it for today. We'll talk Friday.